great Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh, yeah. Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. Welcome to the Man Cave Chronicles. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. This week I have a stand-up comedian, Laz Rivero on. Laz, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, what's new with you? Um, just doing a lot of comedy, you know, dealing, dealing with that, doing shows, writing. Um, I think we were talking before the show started, we both have kids. I just had a son, he's six months old. So that, that's a lot of fun, sleep training. Yeah, so, but he's like my he's like my biggest fan. I run all my bits by him. He laughs at everything. <laughs> yeah. So I know I'm good. If he's laughing, I know I'm good. Yeah. So you don't bo- you don't bomb in front of him. I never bomb in front of him. I mean, he goes to sleep sometimes, and I don't know if I should take that personally. If, if he didn't like the joke, or maybe he was just tired. But you know, you, you take whatever you get from a six month old. <laughs> how's the how's the sleep going on, for for you? Man, the sleep's not we're terrible. We we do pacifier. We rock him. He drops a pacifier. We run right up to him. We're, we're typical Brooklyn Park Slope helicopter parents. Yeah, there you yeah, go. We're very bad. Like today, we had the conversation. Like, should we start today? Should we start the sleep training today? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, let's do it. And then he cries for more than 30 seconds. And, you know, we're right there. Yeah. We, um, <laughs> yeah, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old uh, two little girl, like I said to you earlier. And I have a, a little boy. He's two months old. And we've already put him in yeah. his crib in his room. And it's been great. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So jealous. Yeah, we figured, you know, might as well just do it now while he's young and get him used to him in there. Well, this is the thing. We we live we live in a one-bedroom co-op here in Brooklyn. It's right next to the park. It's beautiful. Right? It's a one-bedroom co-op. So we, we're on the same bedroom. And I tell you this, man. I think your audience is going to love this and relate to this if you're in a one-bedroom. I literally fart and I wake him up. He starts crying. <laughs> it's, it's a ridiculous dynamic. So I think tonight, in order to sleep training, we're gonna have to sleep out here in the living room. Yeah, I'm surprised. The between. Oh, go ahead. As I said, I'm surprised you don't have the crib in the living room. No, 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 no. This is our area. Yeah. We keep him inside the bedroom. It's a big bedroom. You know, it's your typical like, you know, post-war, you know, modern type building elevator. Yeah. But it's a one bedroom, so we're in the same bedroom, and between, obviously, you know, she's she's gonna be very pissed off by my fiance snores. And I snore in between that and the farting. The poor kid is never going to be able to sleep. So I think we're going to sleep out here in the living room yeah. and start with that sleep training. Yeah. Hopefully it works out. Well, it's good to throw a lot of noise at him so then he can sleep through the noises. So the noise, I mean, he gets enough noise between the the sirens from the fire department and the, the ambulance and the cops and the trucks breaking. I don't know if you know Brooklyn that well, but we're right um, by Grand Army Plaza, right where Prospect Park starts. Okay. So, it's, so everything kind of connects from Flatbush Avenue, and so, so you get a lot of ambulance and trucks and just ordinary, just crazy people screaming <laughs> outside yeah. for no reason, and the bikers fighting with the cars. It's it's awful. Yeah. So it's like kind of like we see on TV, you know, neighbors screaming at each other, and all it that is g- exactly that, exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where are you uh, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Cuba, and I my first I opened with this joke. I literally came from Cuba to this country on a boat. I mean, that's very old school. Yeah, I was one of those um, Marielle boatless babies. You know, during that, if you everyone's seen Scarface, yeah, I'm sure you've seen Scarface. So you have that scene in the beginning where everyone's on the boats coming over. I was one of those kids in 1980. Wow, how old were you? I was. I was seven years old. I literally left Cuba when I was six and turned seven. I came here on my birthday. So that overnight trip, I turned ten, seven years old. Yeah. What was the, yeah. like, the the difference, you know, like, go, from doing something like that, like, coming to the U.S.? I tell you this, I'll never forget. The, the immediate difference, what I noticed right away, how colorful the U.S. was. And um, I realized later on, I'm in mean, Cuba, you know, there's a lot of old buildings, a lot of art deco stuff, everything's kind of run down. And then when I was a kid, I came to this country and I realized how colorful everything was. It was just like everything was just freshly painted. Like Cuba and Havana, if you literally put a Home Depot in Havana today, you'd have to restock it tomorrow. Because, you know, every, the buildings are kind of run down. Yeah. Everything's old, it's a paint job, it's restoration. So I kind of noticed that right away when I came. 
Yeah. And the food, obviously. The food. <laughs> have you uh, been back there since? You know, it's sad. I haven't been back. My family always goes back. Um, but I just haven't been back for some reason. Yeah. I'd love to go back, though. Eventually, I'll get back there. Yeah. Um, you know, so- but I, I always tell them, um, so I always tell Cubans, you know, once you come to this country, this is your country. You know, and Cuba is no longer your country. It's where you were born. It's a beautiful place. And our culture is very, uh, very much ever present in our everyday life. But you kind of have to just move on sometimes. Yeah, so you, you know, so still, still carry it with me. So you came from the boat to Florida, and then from there, did you go yeah. to did you go to New York, or did you stay in Florida first? I stayed in Florida for about two weeks, and then came to um, New Jersey. Okay. Did you and have? There was this whole thing with me having asthma in Cuba, and then we came to Florida, and I still had asthma. And then once we got to New Jersey, I no longer had asthma. It was this whole climate change thing. And it was, that's the only reason why we're in this country. My dad reminded me every day, we're only in this country because you were sick. If not, we would have been in Cuba. Happy, I would have been happy in Cuba. I was like, okay, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so how was it growing up in Brooklyn? Well, I didn't grow up in Brooklyn. I'm one of these, like, new, older, hipster transplants that everyone hates. I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. Um, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in a town called West New York, right next to Union City, which had a lot of Cubans. Literally, next to Miami, it was like the second most populated city with Cubans, with Union City, New Jersey. You know, Bobby Cannavale is from Union City. You know, Union City has a lot of good people out there, not just, you know, Cuban criminals. But anyway, growing up there was cool because there was a lot of Cubans that were there before me during the, when Castro took over, um, and then us that came in 1980. So it was very... We had a great baseball team. All the kids were Cuban. All the stores were Cuban. Everything was Cuban. It was awesome. Yeah. Kind of like a little Italy type of thing. Exactly. So you kind of came to this country and you got right back to where you were in Havana. You had your own people. My father had friends that he had in Cuba here. Yeah. And it was, you got to look it up. I mean, Union City, I don't know now, but a lot of Cubans, a lot of, just like Miami. Yeah. Pretty much. Union City is like the second Miami. Yeah. So how long were you there for? Oh, God, I grew up in, in Jersey. I was there most of my young life, adult life, and then I moved to Brooklyn, I'd say, in 2005. The whole Williamsburg skateboarding, I still skate. I'm one of those OG old skaters. Still suck after 30-something years of skating, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I still pop crooked ollies, can't even ollie straight. Yeah. But um, it was, um, I was there for a while, so I always wanted to live in Manhattan. You know, we always had that dream. Everyone would watch Friends. Everyone wanted to have a loft in Manhattan. Yeah. But by the time I wanted to live in the city, New York City is way too expensive. So I decided to move to Brooklyn. Yeah. And I love Brooklyn ever since. And Brooklyn's a great place. Is it expensive to live in Brooklyn? It's super expensive to live in Brooklyn. Yeah. I complain about it every day. Yeah, absolutely. It's super expensive. Yeah. Super expensive. <laughs> how, uh, so how did you start up in, like, in stand-up comedy? What made you wake up one day and say, you know, this is what I want to do? Well, this is a great story. Um, I've been funny for a very long time. I was mostly in the hotel industry, in the front office. I was a VIP, VIP manager, a couple of hotels in Manhattan. And um, everyone used to tell me, you're funny, you should do comedy. One of my best friends, we were roommates in Brooklyn. He's actually a drummer. You ever hear the band, um, Cigarettes, Cigarettes After Sex? Anyway, he wrote this book about working in hotels, and he mentioned me in the book. And we were always cracking jokes with the gas, and I was always cracking jokes with the gas. And... It's just naturally funny. And a lot of people then started saying, yeah, you should do stand-up, you should do stand-up. And I just literally waited a long time. I didn't take it that seriously. That I should probably do stand-up. And I have a good friend of mine who's my comedy partner. Um, he does great impressions. He was harassing me for the last couple of years. Last, you got to do stand-up. I know you can do it. You're the funniest guy I know. So I was like, fuck it, man. Uh, let, let's do an open mic. I did an open mic about a year ago. And it went great. You know, I wrote down some jokes that I've been kind of messing around with for like the last 10 years, nine years, whatever. Um, put some stuff together, put five minutes together, did that, um, did it again, then had the baby, waited, did another open mic, somebody recommended me to do a show at Broadway Comedy Club, which I love, sorry if, I, if I'm plugging a club here, but Broadway Comedy Club gave me my start, and um, did a show there, the promoters there were blown away, and ever since then, it's just been a hell of a ride there, been doing shows all over the city, Getting offers now to do shows, uh, you know, in Texas and Memphis, 
a bunch of places, and it's been great. Yeah, uh, Memphis is actually starting to boom with the the comedy scene. Yeah, I got an offer to do a a show in a military base, and I was, and I'm not the biggest gun guy, but I'm still very patriotic, even though I'm on the left. But we could still be patriotic, you know. So I was blown away by that invitation. I'd love to do a show for the for the military. I have a lot of respect for the military. Yeah. So that would have been great. That would be awesome. So uh, tell us about the the first time you did stand up for the open mic. <clears throat> first time I did stand up, I did some jokes that I was working on for years. You know, I opened with the same joke that I thought of years ago, man. Which is, you know, what's the, you know, I came from Cuba on the boat. You know, what's the great thing about coming from Cuba on the boat? Absolutely nothing. So it's kind of a yeah, exactly. It, it gets a quick laugh. Yeah, <laughs> and it felt good. the The tough thing though is when you when you do open mics, you do an open mics in front of other comedians. So it's you know comedians don't want to laugh at other comedians. So you really got to be really good at kind of crack them up. So I had a good response to that joke, and then I worked on, on some things. And my friend, you know, he's a straight shooter. He will tell me he's been doing it for a long time. So you got to come back. You did really well. Um, looked on some other jokes, came back, and it just started getting the hang of it. But, you know, I've been a student of, of comedy for a very long time. Um, you know, as a kid, I literally came from Cuba in you know, 1980. We had HBO for some reason. I don't know how that happened. That's another show, another conversation. <laughs> and, you know, I was watching, you know, Robin Williams, um, yeah. George Carlin, you know, I mean, Eddie Murphy, those are my top three. You know, Eddie Murphy, George Carlin, Robin Williams. I watched their shows. Because um, I'm just a little kid, you know, nine, eight, ten years old, watching stand up, so I really loved it, you know. And then it was a huge like '80s boom with comedians. Oh yeah. You know the you know the Blazers rolled up. You know Gary Shandling, Bob Saget, all Sam Kinison, uh, really killed it. You know, so that was always a fan of comedy. I mean, I was watching Saturday Night Live with my little five-inch television when I was like 10, 11 years old in my bedroom. I was a big fan of comedy. I wasn't a stranger to comedy. Uh, or a stranger to you know to stand up. So once it came time for me to put it down and I was ready, I kind of came kind of natural to me. But it's been a experience. You know? I feel like I bombed once already, which is good. Yeah, you got to bomb. You, you got to feel like you're bombing. <laughs> I was trying to do this joke about like an all-inclusive strip club for everyone. You know, called second chances. Like have like one testicle. Have like special nights like one testicle Tuesdays. <laughs> a few second Saturdays, yeah. and I got carried away with like this so amputee veterans night thing, and I kind of got booed. I was like, "All right, this is a good lesson for me. This is a bad joke. <laughs> Let me move on from this joke." Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's good for to bomb once in a while too, because it just you know puts you a little back into reality too. Oh yeah, I mean, I get nervous before every show. I literally get the sweats, but once I get up there, it's just I have yeah. a great time. I have. I'll have a lot of energy. I'm all over the place, you know, so when I'm recorded, it's tough to get me because I don't know if you've seen some of my stuff, probably, but I'm like all over the stage. I'm very energetic. I'm just there to make you laugh, you know. Um, yeah. My stuff is there to make you laugh. I'm not there to insult you or enlighten you or teach you anything. I'm just there to make you crack up. Yeah. That's my goal. I love how you mentioned uh, Eddie Murphy and like Robin Williams because I remember like when I was younger, you know, I'm 40 years old, so when I was younger, you know, I used to like, Hunt just nice. just to get the Eddie Murphy Raw VHS tape, you know. Oh, I, was, I knew. I still know it word for word. Like the answer, <laughs> she freaks out. I know Delirious and Raw yeah. word for word. I mean, the, the dude put out two shows. Oh the yeah, greatest for me. Definitely number one for me. And George Carlin. I I had the chance. I was a VIP manager in a hotel in Manhattan for a long time, and I got the chance to meet him and talk to him. He's Greatest number two, number two for me, and Robin Williams is amazing. Yeah, you know his energy, and I mean there's, there are guys now, and comedians, excuse me, now that I love like Ali Wong, she's hilarious. Brian Regan, Sebastian Maniscalco, those are like the contemporaries that I really look up to now. Yeah, so I uh, like, uh, so you've been doing this for what almost a year now? You said. Well, a year ago, I I did my first open mic, my one or two or three open mics. Yeah, and then obviously the the baby came into the picture. Then the baby was born, and then I did an open mic after that. And then I did a show, which is in November. The first week of November was my first show, and it killed. And I've done, my God, I've been booked like twenty shows ever since then. Yeah. Booked now. So do you and perform like? Do you perform like every night or mostly on the weekends? 
mostly during the week and the weekend. So I'm either at um, practicing myself during the week, have shows during the week and the weekend, like whenever, whenever there's a show available. I'm booked now. I'm doing a series on Wednesdays at Broadway Comedy Club, which is produced by Executive Lounge Productions. Um, and we're doing shows every Wednesday night with a bunch of comics, a headliner, and that's been great. Yeah. Um, it's It's been a really hell of a tremendous ride. It's so, so busy. Yeah. Did yeah. you Did you ever watch uh, the Jim Gaffigan show? It was on. I didn't watch the show, but I but I like Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, there was a. So he would go and well, actually, you know what? We can even talk about like you know like. Did you ever watch Louis C.K.? I did, I did watch Louis C.K. But you can't talk about Louis C.K. now. But I did watch all the seasons. I thought the show was the show was great. Yeah. Well, we're not gonna talk about him, but I wanted to see like, is it like the whole like stand up thing in New York? Is it like just like how you see in those shows where like. You know, Friday night rolls around or Thursday night, and if you're a comic, you go to one club, and then you leave that club, you go to the other club to perform, and so on. Yeah, it's just like that. Yeah, it's exactly like that because you have, you know, you have all these clubs, and you want to try to hit them all. Yeah, yeah, especially when you're when you're practicing your new material, you definitely want to hit different clubs when you're practicing your material, get different reaction, and you you want to have different feels for different stages, which always helps. Yeah. But like. Broadway Comedy Club, that's like my home away from home. I've done shows at The Stand, I've done shows at other places, Eastfield Comedy Club, um, I can't really think of other places now, but the Broadway Comedy Club, is, it just feels like old school, kind of gritty and funny, and you know, it's a, yeah. it's a fun show, it doesn't feel, very, it doesn't feel poshy or strict, you know, which a lot of clubs kind of feel that way. Do you have, uh, like, you know, famous comedians that just pop up just to go on stage for a few minutes? Yeah, I did a show... Um, I did a show with this cat, Brett Seidel, and then all of a sudden Todd Barry came up and he did like um, seven minutes. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. I used to read his books when I was younger. Remember those? Yeah. Yeah, I used to write those books. He's funny, man. (laughs) He's funny. I mean, but he's working it. You see him like, if you, if you go to Manhattan for a while and hit the comedy clubs, you'll see everyone. Yeah. And everyone's just grinding and working and that's what it is. You know, I hit certain open mics in certain places. And I see the same people all the time working yeah. on this stuff. So how do you like? How do you come up with your material? Like, what is your act about? Man, I I talk about everything. I talk about my trip to Cuba. I talk about being raised in a cult. You know, I was literally a lot of the stuff that I talk about is true. You know, it's exaggerated, but a lot of stuff comes from my experiences in life. Um, you know, when I was we came from Cuba to leave communism, to leave an you know an oppression um, system, to come here. And then my family joins a religious cult. I was like, what the fuck? Why did we cross the Atlantic Ocean for? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, so that, was, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> explain this cult thing. What was happening? Oh, man. So we, we get to this country, right, which is amazing. In Cuba, there's only like one holiday, which is like King's Day, and you get three gifts, you know? Yeah. That's it, man. But then you come to this country, it's like, holidays all over the place halloween and fourth of july and thanksgiving it's like a it's like an amusement park you know as a kid you're like wow so you know we were living as as americans do and then all of a sudden like in the mid 80s my family becomes part of the watchtower organization the jehovah's witnesses and i'm like what and everything just changed <laughs> everything everything just changed my mom one day comes to me she's like hey you you can't play little league baseball anymore i'm like what am i dying She's like, no, we joined this religion and little baseball is bad and and dating other girls that are now. It's like, I really, you sure I'm not dying? Because I really hope that I'm dying now. And it, <laughs> it was just, it was just awful, man. So I was there for a little while, and I was a teenager. I kind of left, and it was literally, I was literally raised in a cult, and that's a huge thing for me. You know, I'm like, when I start hearing about, hey, you want to go to a group or something? What do you mean a group? I'm very like. <laughs> Like Leo Remini, that's like one of my heroes. I go like, yeah, girl, you do your thing. <laughs> oh yeah, um, that's that had to suck with it. You know, mom telling you to quit baseball. And, you know, whatever. How old were you? That was ten. She's Jesus. Like, By the way, you no more birthdays or Christmas. I was like, what? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I was like, what? I, I'm I'm writing this joke about um my mom. Literally, my mom used to tell me, only the devil walks backwards. I was like, what? The fuck do you mean? What does that she mean? She was like. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what do you mean, mom? She goes, well, that, you know that Michael Jackson in his moonwalk. I'm like, yeah. 
Well, he used to be a Jehovah's Witness, and now he's not. He's with the devil. Only the devil walks backwards. I was like, oh, damn. This is crazy. <laughs> so, you know, when you, when, you, when you have people like me, right, that are raised in the cold and raised in this ridiculous lifestyle, there's like two ways I can go, you know? And I chose comedy. Yeah. I was like, let me do comedy or I can be like a psychotic killer. Right, let me just do comedy, you know? <laughs> That's, that was like my, my growing up was crazy. What do, you, uh, what do your parents think now that, you, that you're doing comedy? My parents are literally still waiting for Armageddon. They're like, it's coming. It's coming tomorrow. It's coming tomorrow. <laughs> That's like a, yeah, they're, they're in a doomsday cult, so they're waiting for doomsday. <laughs> That's all that matters to them. So it's a good topic that you actually brought this up because after you finish the show, you'll look up some stuff about cults. You're like, damn, Laz is really saying some things here. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, how does your wife feel about you doing stand-up? My, she is a psychiatrist. She's okay. a doctor. And, and she loves, she's very supportive. She is an amazing human being. And that's one of the reasons why I started doing stand-up. I felt like I was ready for it. She kind of made me, no one can make you feel anything, but it, I kind of felt like I was ready to do it. And it was time to do it. And she made me feel like I was ready to do it. Does she, so she was great. She's an amazing doctor. Does she give you any good material to work with? I talk about it all the time. Yeah. I remember when I was first doing open mics and we started going out. Um, well, there was a time that I couldn't get in touch with her. And I just got on stage. I was like, I'm having a rough day. You know, my girlfriend has to text me in four hours. And so it was, I kind of used her in some of the materials. Why I live by the park. It wasn't my doing. I married a doctor. You know, so I do a little <laughs> bit like that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that actually makes sense now. You know, doctors live near parks for some reason. My, she's great. She's, um, she's of Colombian descent. You know, she was born here, yeah. but she's a Wesleyan girl. She's, okay. so she's, she's more white than she is anything Latina. Yeah. You know, you gotta look, you gotta look up these Wesleyan people. They're interesting people. <laughs> so, well, what you said Wesleyan, where that's where it's, um, in Con- the that, university. Yeah. Is that in Connecticut? Connecticut? No. Uh, yep. Connecticut. Yeah. Connecticut. Yep. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The Man Cave Chronicles on Twitter at the MCC Podcast. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Adam Nutter. And this is Greg Trout. Come check out our podcast, Nerds with Words. Adam and I talk about pop culture, comedy, comic books, movies, conspiracies. We're both comedians and we might make you laugh. Every week we welcome a guest from the entire spectrum of pop culture and science and comedy. You can follow us on Twitter at NerdsWithWords1. Yo, monkeys, it's me, D-D-P, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time world champion, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you, monkey, well, you, you're listening to my main man, the man with a plan, Elias on Man Cave Chronicles. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang! So, uh, do you remember the worst place you ever performed at? That you're like, I'm not coming back here. Yes, I won't say the name of the place because it's tacky. Okay. But, um... I, you know, I, I just, let me make a revelation. I just had a, I just had a drinking beer like two years ago. So my friend Tim um, introduced me to IPAs. You know, I was never a big beer drinker. I was always, a, well, why you drink beer? It's gross. And then in Brooklyn, you just can't avoid the craft beer. Okay. So I had a, my first beer like two years ago. Anyway, I was doing a show the other day and this comedian went on, younger guy. He was, you know, trying his best to be funny. So this other comedian goes on after him, and he, the young guy made a, he did a bit about how he quit college to do comedy, and his mother was upset, and this guy came on, he was like, oh, you should have stayed in college, which I think was very rude, Yeah, you know, to go on stage and criticize another comedian. So then I went on stage after having, I'm not a big drinker, so I had two beers, so I was already, you know, I was already going crazy. So I got on stage, and I told the guy, you know, you shouldn't give any advice, because you're really not that funny, and, um, I go, and you'll always have break dancing because he was of Asian descent. And that was kind of rude on my part. <laughs> and I kind of felt like the audience was like, ooh. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I went too far. 
But I just, I kind of was defending the other kids. So you shouldn't rip on another comic on stage. Yeah. Isn't that like a, like a, one of those laws? Like, you know, you're not supposed to do stuff like that. Exactly. That's so tacky. Yeah. And the poor kid, he was like trying, you know, he was trying to do his best, man. He wasn't bad. Yeah. He was, um, he was Puerto Rican and he did a joke about how people always tell him, Hey, go back to your country, go back to your country. And the kid's like, well, that's a round trip ticket for me. You know, I'm coming right back here. I'm Puerto Rican. And I thought that was very funny. <laughs> Are you, yeah. Right? And yeah. he got kind of nervous in between, but you just can't criticize someone. Yeah. And I feel bad because I did the same thing he did. So I was like, oh, shit, what an asshole I am. Yeah. But yeah, but you, were, you did it because but, you were trying to stick up for him. Exactly. But that was definitely, and I was there with, uh, with, my, uh, with my boy, my comedy friend. I was like, let's just get out of here. And I left. Yeah. It was the worst place, the worst place I've ever been. <laughs> and, and your best place is uh, Broadway. Your favorite place to perform? I love Broadway. I love the stand as well. It's small, it's quaint, but I love Broadway comedy, the Broadway Comedy Club. It's right in the theater district, Fifty Third Street. It's, you know, you get a lot of tourists too. So I've had a lot of people from Ireland and Australia, um, China, Colombia come up to me and say they love my act. Yeah, Broadway is a really cool place. The owner there, out Martin. You know, if you're funny, he'll give you a chance. If you're not funny, then you're not going on stage. Yeah. If you could pick one comic right now that you you could open with, who would it be? Wow. You know, I... I like, I've been really loving Ali Wong, Sebastian Maniscalco, Brian Regan. Um, just because I have so many friends that that like him. I, I love to open for Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would be a pretty cool show. But yeah. me, I'd love to open for anyone, man. You just pay me whatever, give me some groceries. I'm there, dude. Yeah. You know, give me a Target gift card. I'll perform for a Target gift card. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Well, uh, Nothing wrong with that. If you could pick one comedian from the eighties, who would it be? Wow. I there, just can't pick one. There's so there's so there's so many. Yeah, I mean, I quickly say Eddie Murphy, Robin Williams, George Carlin. Yeah. Doesn't have to be in that order, but those are the three for me. You know, I love to say Richard Pryor, but I kind of came after Richard Pryor. Yeah. And um, I, the man's amazing. I just don't want to be a poser and say, oh, yeah, Richard Pryor inspired me to do comedy. Yeah. Although he's a legend. And I also love Sam Kinison. That's the guy that I used to watch, too, when I was younger. He was amazing. Yeah. What uh? Who who was like your favorite cast for like? Because you mentioned we we talked earlier about uh, SNL. Oh, right now it's definitely McKinnon, Kate McKinnon. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It was Kristen Wiig before McKinnon. Um, that's a that's that's SNL is all about girl power, man. The women are running that show. The last few and years, yeah. No, I mean it's they've always been great. Yeah, you know they just you know, now it's obviously in the open, but they've always been great. And Kristen Wiig before that it was amazing. Yeah, I remember. Amazing. I remember. Yeah. I remember the when the reruns used to come on when I was younger with like. Remember the old ones with like Bill Murray and like Dan Aykroyd and yeah. Eddie Murphy. You know, it went through like a phase where you know it was great then, and then it kind of slowed down a little bit. Then when you had like the Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, and those guys, it was great again. And then it like cooled off, and then you had Will Ferrell and them. It's like it seems like it takes a few years, and it gets going again. I've man, I've always I told you at the beginning I've huge SNL fan ever since I was a kid. I never I haven't missed a show. Yeah. Since I was like twelve, thirteen years old. I would record it and I and I worked in the nightclubs in the late eighties and nineties. So I was working at Limelight and the building and all these hot clubs in the city and I would record it, get home at whatever time that was, seven, eight in the morning <clears throat> and watch the shows. And um yeah, it's always been great and there's always been like people that's always carry the show. Like yeah. Keenan Thompson's been there. Keenan Thompson's the second I see him, I just oh yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's so funny. Yeah, I'm one of those big SNL guys. We're old, you know. You're 40. Yeah. I won't say how old I am. 44. <laughs> Damn, I said it. So you know, we're kind of almost the same age. So we've seen the same people. You know, leave SNL. I was sad to see Jay Farrell leave. Yeah. Well, you know, did, did he, yeah. he? Well, didn't he leave because he got a he got a an offer for a show? I think. Yeah, that show was great. By the way, I haven't watched it. White famous, white famous. Oh, you have to watch it. It's really good. Yeah. What channel? Well, what channel is that on? Can I say it's on Showtime? Oh, okay. It's, it's on Showtime. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I can say. People will be like, "Damn, you have Showtime. You're living well." Bro. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people, like I said, like uh, when you mentioned like George Collins, remember he hosted it so many times, too. See, George Collins, I think I sound like an idiot when I say this, but I just think George Collins was like the last great American philosopher. He was amazing, man. Yeah. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember his sitcom sh- on Fox? He had a sitcom for a little while. I did. I was young. I don't remember it very well, but I, I heard something like that. He also did a show in my hometown in the Park Theater in Union City, New Jersey, which is one of the first stand-ups that I that I got to watch when I came from this country. Which is uh, the George Carlin. I forgot the name. It was a jamming. Was still jamming something like that. Yeah. And it was a on um, Union City, yeah. the Park Theater in Union City. That was great. So, with the comedians that come on the podcast, we do this this little thing called "What's Trending." I only wrote down one thing today, so you can you know if there's other things that you saw that was trending today, we could talk about. But uh, the funniest one that I saw was Kanye West named his baby Chicago West. <laughs> that's funny, man. <laughs> Chicago West. You figure with everything that's happening today, literally the government's going to shut down. Yeah, but we're talking about Kanye West. Are you a big Kanye West fan? Not really. I mean, I, I love what they do, the, do you, but they do the funny skits on <laughs> SNL. Remember that? Yeah. The videos. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guy that just did Kanye West. There's a new, there's a new dude on, on SNL who's like a very good actor, very funny. I, feel, I saw him on the show Disjointed. Um, I, he was in a movie with Adam Sandberg. He's now part of the cast. Did you see him impersonating Kanye West the other day? No. <laughs> Okay, hilarious. But what's the deal with Kanye West? Like, I'm not a huge Kanye West fan. Like, I have a, some friends on Instagram. They just love this guy, man. Yeah. What's the deal with that guy? I don't know. Uh, and I think wasn't he talking about running for president? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> wow, that's I amazing. I don't, I don't think that's gonna happen. I mean, no. I, I wish him, you know, break a leg. But yeah, Chicago West. You know, Chicago's actually a pretty cool name. Yeah. But do you she, have a daughter or do you have a son? I have uh, one of each. Okay. One of each, all right. You know what I, I thought would be a cool name for a girl? Um, what do you think of Morrison for a girl? Morrison? Cool, right? I'm a huge yeah. Jim Morrison fan. Yeah. I have a Jim Morrison tattoo. I'll make that revelation on the air right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I literally have a Jim Morrison tattoo on my arm. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know. Like when I read the the name Chicago West right away, I thought of a, it's like a medical TV show or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, aren't there like there's like a million TV shows now with the name Chicago, like Chicago PD, Chicago yeah. Fire Department, Chicago Social Work. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Chicago West. What else was trending today? I don't know. I, I get a lot of new stuff. Like yeah. I, I get a lot of like Chris Como. I follow Chris Como from CNN. Yeah. Uh, you know. I don't know what else was well. That's trending, and then it was. Uh, do you watch UFC? Are you a UFC fan? You know, I, I'm. I was a huge martial arts fan. I'm not a huge UFC fan. I respect the sport, but um, I, I watched. I rented. That was like the only on-demand thing that I've ever rented was the, the fight between McGregor, yeah, and the other two, the boxer. Whatever well, his yeah. Name is. Well, there's something trending about. I guess there was an interview today with Dana White because there's UFC in Boston tomorrow, and uh, they're saying that supposedly Conor McGregor got stripped of his title, so they asked Dana White about it. He says, I don't want to talk about it. Next question. So nobody knows what's going Damn. on with that. So. He's like the big band in campus, Dana White, right? Oh, yeah. He's he runs the, all that. Yeah, he, yeah, he's the main guy there. Uh, Isn't Joey Rogan like a like a UFC guy? Joey Rogan's in tremendous shape, man. Yeah, he Jesus. does. Yeah, he does... I follow him and stuff like that. And of course, he's got like the you know the number one podcast in the world. But he, yeah, he's into yeah. the whole working now, and he's in the martial arts and watches what he eats and he hunts his own meat during the winter. Wow, he's he's out of his mind. He had on Maynard Maynard Keenan from Tool. I love Tool, man. I hope the new Tool album comes out before I die. But <clears throat> Maynard from Tool, man, he's like a like a purple belt or something. Yeah. He's playing with like the Gracie brothers and stuff. Yeah. I mean, There's I get a video I, of Maynard putting some guy in a chokehold on stage. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, I guess if you're, you know, if you do, if you're in, you know, if you have a career that's made you a millionaire and stuff like that, I guess you have time to do stuff like that too. You know? Yeah. But I'm sure they love it. Like I took a keto for a long time. Not that I know anything. I don't want anyone coming up to me in the street. 
So you took a keto, brother, and then whipped my ass and stuff. Yeah. But while I was while I was taking the keto, I really enjoyed it. I because I was a huge Steven Seagal fan. I had the ponytail and everything. Yeah. It was great. Steven and Seagal, I, man, he was, he was great. I remember renting those movies when I was younger with my brother. Him being Come the mom, man, he was the man. Everyone, oh yeah. Anyone seen Richie? Oh, yeah. Seagal was the man. Oh, yeah. I remember the one line he said, that gun was going to save you a lot of pain. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, you better get that gun back. Yeah. Well, what's that movie where he's hunting down those Jamaican, tw- was it, were they twins? Was that Hard to Kill? Is that the one where he pokes, he, he squeezes his fingers right through their sockets? Yeah, yeah, the Jamaican gangster. Yeah. There were a couple of good ones there. I mean, man, they don't make movies all, like I'm, that I'm, anymore. Jesus. <laughs> He's kind of a dick now, but yeah. I, I like his, I love his movies, man. Yeah. That's what got me into Aikido. Yeah, I wish you, the other day you had you had someone on, um, a comedian, and you guys were talking about Seinfeld, and I heard that podcast. Yeah, and you guys didn't know it was Judge Reinhold, and I was like, it's Judge Reinhold. Yeah, I was yeah. like, ah, oh, come on. I had a brain you guys fart. Look it up. <laughs> I had to look it up. Yeah, I had a brain fart. I know. But you know, the best Seinfeld episode was the bet. Right? That was like the best episode. That one? You like that one? They play that one a lot oh. on TV. Yeah, they probably say that's the best. I love Seinfeld. I, yeah. Seinfeld is one of those shows that I've seen every episode like three or four times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's times where I'll have it on TV and my wife's like, come on, can you put something else on? And I'm like, there's nothing else on. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, do you know it was a hero of mine that I literally, um, I have to say this, because I'm now on the air, um, John Ritter. Oh, yeah. Company. Oh, my God, yeah. That dude was amazing, man. Th- that was one yeah. of my favorite shows growing up, Three's Company. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah. Now, that's a show, right? Now. You've probably seen every episode like four or five times oh, over, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. That was the best. And what a, John Ritter was the man. R.I.P. Yeah. to John Ritter, man. That oh, yeah. Sad. He was, uh, and I was actually watching the other day, uh, did you ever watch Scrubs? Yeah, yeah he had He had a cameo on there. He, had, uh, he was playing Zach Braff's father. And I was like, oh my god, look at that, it's John Ritter. And it's like, yeah, he was... He I'm was, gonna have to see that. I'm, he was great. He was, man, he was amazing. He was he was like the next Lucille Ball, right? Like, I think Lucille oh, yeah. Ball came on during the 100th episode. Because he was so physical, he was hilarious, man. Yeah. And now, I'm it, glad that I got to say that in the end. Yeah. His, <laughs> uh, his son looks exactly like him, the one that does... Uh, he's, uh, he's got a show now exactly. on TV, too. It's, it's freaky. Um, Jason Ritter. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, it's so funny when I see him on TV. I look at my, look at my wife. I'm like, oh, look at that's John's boy. He looks just like him. Like I knew John Ritter personally, right? And he looks just like him. Yeah. yeah. I remember. So, like, what, what an awesome man. Usually, you know, like I don't get sad when like celebrities die because you know I don't really know them. But but like when he actually passed away, I was actually sad. I was like, this is horrible. So I was, I was very sad. I probably cried. You know, I'll tell you this about me. I, I, I actually sang more or less scream for two metal bands growing up, right? So I kind of fronted these two hardcore bands. But I've always been a huge George Michael fan, and I always make that very clear, like, right up front. You know, you meet me, I'm like, by, by the way, I'm a huge George Michael fan, best voice in music. And, dude, when he died, um, I think it was 2016, actually. On yeah, it was a couple Day. of years ago, yeah. Man, that was just awful. My friend texted, like, George Michael died. I'm like, no. No, and that was like, Lemmy died from Motorhead, David Bowie died, Prince died. Prince, I'll tell you this, Prince was kind of a dick during the end because he was a Jehovah's Witness during the end of his life. So, yeah. but anyway, but the day, the day that George Michael died, man, that was so sad, though. Nah. Like, to me, like, Janis Joplin and George Michael, best voices in music. Man. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people were upset that when George Michael's passed away. And it was, it was like one of those, uh, he seemed like it was one of those quiet guys, too. Uh, what a good, good dude, man! What a great voice. I, I wrote his music, produced his music, played a bunch of instruments. Yeah. He was like the the British Michael Jackson, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, and finally, you know, we we spoke, you know, a few weeks ago, and uh, you were telling me, you know, I'm from Massachusetts and everything, stuff like that. Like a uh, huge Celtics fan. Dude, I bleed green. I bleed Celtic green. We lost yesterday. It doesn't matter. I hate the Sixers. Um, Growing up in New Jersey, I played grammar school basketball, and our coach, he was our fifth grade teacher, uh, Mr. Ray Picone. He was a huge Celtics fan, right? So he would take the team in the school bus to watch them against the Nets. 
And if you remember the Nets oh, yeah. in Jersey, no one, no one gave a shit about the Nets. No one in Brooklyn gives a shit about the Nets. In Jersey either, man. The Nets are like a curse. So everyone in, at the Brandon Byrne Arena back in those days, the Meadowlands, everyone was a Celtic fan. So he would take us and the whole team in the bus, and, and we would root for the Celtics. And then this guy in my eighth grade yearbook, we literally had a yearbook in eighth grade, he wrote, keep Celtic pride alive. So I was like, oh, man. It's in my blood now, yeah. you know. So I was, yeah. that was it, you know. So we've, you know, through good and bad, man. Reggie Lewis, Benny oh, yeah. Bias, yeah. Dino Raja smoking cigarettes in practice. <laughs> I mean, just, and then finally, you know, Paul Pierce, you know, Rajon Rondo. Now we have like this whole. What do you think about the whole Isaiah Thomas thing, man? I don't like, know. That's just, just let it go, man. Just yeah. can you just not tweet or talk about the Celtics anymore? Yeah. Like, man, it's over, bro. It's like, it, first of all, it's a business. You know, Danny did the right move. Yeah. You'd, be, you'd be stupid sure. not trading for Ky- Kyrie Irving. So we got Kyrie Irving on my birthday, by the way, August thirtieth. <laughs> I know. And, you know, and and you know, like you know, the beginning of the season, they, I mean, they're still playing good now, but it's like the beginning of the season, they were just they were so hot. But I remember watching the first game of the season, and when Hayward went down, I'm like, is this what's gonna happen? Was that crazy, <laughs> man? I was. Five minutes into the game, oh my god! Watching the game here, I was like, "No!" And then they lost that second game, and then they won sixteen straight, yeah, or fourteen straight. Yeah, incredible. But imagine if they yeah. imagine imagine if they had Hayward played, how many more wins they probably would have had. Yeah, but Hayward's coming back. Oh, He'll I be know. back at the end of March. Do you think so? Back for the playoffs. Oh yeah, they were saying that he's coming back at the end of March, early April. Yeah. I hope right in, so. Right in time for the playoffs. I mean, we're killing it now yeah. without him. Can you imagine when he comes back? Wow. You know what I love? I love our second team, Terry Rozier. Oh, yeah. Even those guys are great. Marcus, Marcus Smart. Smart. Oh, man. That kid from Germany, Daniel Tice. He's killing it. It looks yeah. like he's got a 20-foot wingspan. Yeah. Kicking block shots. Yeah. We have. I love our team, man. Kyrie Irving's amazing. Yeah. And, and you he's know, amazing. like, I mean, I, you know, I, I read stuff about you know, the Celtics and everything and what other teams think. And I think LeBron is going to leave Cleveland because he knows eventually he's not going to beat the Celtics team. No. He's going to go to, he's going to go to the Lakers. They're going to have to start loading up the East because the Celtics are just, they're going to dominate. Yeah. Like the Cavaliers are dominating. I mean, between, we have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and his kids are, Jalen Brown is killing it this yeah. year. Yeah. But, but you know what you won't like about me, right? I'll tell you this right now. I'm a huge Miami Dolphins fan. I hate the Patriots. Yeah. I'll say that in the air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. come on. Yeah. Come on, please. Our, Enough our, already. Our, uh, our run is coming to an end. You know that. Yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, the whole, talking about Colts, how about this SB12 thing? I heard Colin Coward talking about, you know. Um, oh, the TB12? He's walking around like, yeah, it's like a cult. People are buying into it. and yeah. TV twelve here, TV twelve this. It was interesting to hear that. Yeah, and cool. I don't think there's a guy that that Tom Brady hangs out with. Yeah, dude, uh, Alex Alex, games, Alex right? Guerrero. Yeah, Guerrero. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Belichick doesn't like him. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I know, but you know, I you know, I hate Ryan Tannehill. I don't hate him. I can't say that. It's public now. Please edit that. I really dislike him. Just leave Miami. <laughs> Leave the Dolphins, please. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> who? Oh, who was the quarter? Uh, you guys had um, what's his name for a quarterback this R- year? Ryan Tannehill. Oh yeah. God. No, it wasn't Tannehill this year. He got hurt. No, but he's our quarterback. We had Jay Cutler. Yeah, that Jay Cutler. Yeah. But but Ryan Tannehill's coming back. Yeah. So Gay said he's coming back. I'm like, nah, come on. Yeah. You know. He's terrible, man. He's an awful quarterback. Yeah. Come on. But th- there really oh. isn't that many. Well, this year's draft that's going to come out is supposed to be good with quarterbacks. But, like, other than that, like, there really isn't, like, a solid quarterbacks in the NFL, you know? Nah, I mean, there's, you know, if that's, but that's what you need, though. Talk about trending. I heard the kid from Oklahoma tweeted something out that he wanted to go to Miami. Did you hear something about that? No, I didn't see anything. Yeah, I know. I know there was one. Guy, there was one guy that came out that said, "Like I'm coming to the draft, but if the Cleveland Browns draft me, I'm not coming out." Oh, what is that? Come on, we should be happy to get drafted by any team. Right? Me and you will nope. go play for any of those teams for half their salary. 
I'll play for any team right now. I'll play for any team. <laughs> yeah. I'm like 44 years old. Do you guys need like a five foot nine and a half yeah. overweight? Kind of overweight. I'm not overweight. Maybe yeah. linebacker. Yeah. That's very slow. Won't be able to make any tackles. I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So uh, how can the listeners uh, find you? Instagram, Twitter? Instagram, Twitter, their local jail cell. <laughs> they have money for bail. That'll be fantastic. Yeah. But Twitter, everything I think should be Laz Rivero. Yeah. Everything should be Laz. At Laz Rivero, Laz Rivero, some form. LazRivero.com. You can find my dates there. I'm doing, I have a show coming up on the 31st. I'm opening up for this very funny lady named Julia Mellon, Brazilian girl, you know, very funny. Um, then, the, then the 7th, I'm opening up for Daniel Aris at Broadway Comedy. Um, then I co-headlining on the 28th with a very funny lady named Maya Klausner. So there's a lot of stuff happening, and then there'll be some gigs in between there as well. But everything is on my site, lazrivero.com, and you can find all that stuff there. And the last thing, uh, you are very uh, active with the Twitter followers, I notice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's a lot of fun, especially for us old dudes. Oh, yeah. Like I included you in the old, in the old dudes' comments. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on, and you know, uh, you're welcome to come on anytime you want. All right, it's been a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right, listen for me. Okay, hi. My name is actually Lázaro Rivera. I'm Cuban. Thank you so much. I actually came from Cuba on a boat when I was a small boy. And you know what's the great thing about coming from Cuba on a boat? Absolutely nothing. It was real. It's a boat filled with refugees, people. It's not funny. But after arriving in this country, you know, it gets worse. After we arrived in this country, about two years into this country, my family decided to join a religious cult. So that was a lot of fun. No Christmas, no birthdays. And I remember my mom, after joining this cult, she would say the most outlandish stuff. I remember one day I was about 11 years old, and I'm listening to Michael Jackson doing my best Michael Jackson in my room. And my mom's come storming in, she's like, Hey, she turns off the music, she's like, only the devil walks backwards. <laughs> I was like, Mom, what? She goes, only the devil walks backwards. I'm like, Mom, what are you talking about? She's like, well, Michael Jackson in his moonwalk? He used to be a Jehovah's Witness, now he's not anymore. He's with the devil now. Only the devil walks backwards! I was like, wow, shit, Mom. That dangerous trip across the Atlantic is really worth it now, huh? <laughs> I just should have stayed in Cuba. I could have become a doctor or something. <laughs> is there any? This is a big crowd, right? Is anyone here from Brooklyn? Woo! Woo! Brooklyn, the land of skinny jeans, the land that that the hipsters found. <laughs> Let me just tell you something. My first apartment in Brooklyn was a real shit show. Yeah. Had a huge rap problem. <laughs> but I think I was their problem because they were there first. Because the first day I walked into my apartment, they were like, "Who the fuck are you?" I'm like. Okay, I see where this is going. So I went down to the hardware store and I bought a bunch of traps, a bunch of snapping traps, a bunch of glue traps, and I laid them all over the floor. Because I don't want to kill them, I just, I want to get rid of them, right? But these, these Brooklyn rats, they were superior rats. They were like flapping the traps around. They were like licking the glue traps. I was like, holy shit, what am I going to do? So I went to the pet shop. <laughs> Logical thing to do. And there was this guy at the pet store. And he looked like all the ghosts of the Vietnam War were living in this man. So I was like, I was like hey man, I have a little bit of a rat problem. He goes, shh. He goes, go to the back of the store. I was like, okay, let's go to the back of the store. And there's a huge cage there. And there was a snake growling in the cage. And I'm like, what is that? He goes, that's a lynx. I'm like, what am I going to do with that? He goes, Take it home, pound solve. I was like, give me the links. So I take the links home. He goes right to work. He goes in the corner, starts killing all the rats. But these are Brooklyn rats, people. These are superior rats. So they just started ganging up. And then I think that my rats were calling all the neighbor rats, all the Jewish and Puerto Rican rats, were fucking coming down with knives and crab magalots and stuff. And I was like, I'm not going to let you go down like that, little guy. So I went right back to the pet shop. And I see the guy. I said, hey man, the links you gave me, it's not really working out right now. He goes, shh, go to the back of the store. I was like, fuck it, I've been here before. 
let's go to the back of the store. So we went to the back of the store in this huge cage, like those bird cages in the zoo. I was like, dude, what is that? He goes, it's an owl. I'm like, what am I gonna do with an owl? He goes, listen, chief, now you got troops in the ground, you got troops in the air. Problem solved. Alright. Two things, man. You're fucking crazy. Give me the owl. So I take the owl home, and it was beautiful. The owl was doing flybys. He's looking. He's looking for anything. And if he finds something, he'll signal to the to the lynx. Cuckoo, cuckoo. I'm like, yo, you ever smoke pot in high school? Cuckoo. Right? And the lynx is like, what? The lynx fucking what? Right? He goes, oh, oh, kills everything. This lynx and owl killed everything in my apartment. I couldn't even live there. So I had to move out. But don't notice because I'm Latino. Get the fuck right out of there. We, we, we rent everything. I call, I did call Aaron's though. Rental? Who knows Aaron's here? Who's really poor? Aaron's? They rent stuff. I was like, come get your stuff. Lynx and the owl. But don't feel bad for me. I live by the park now. My prospect park, give it up, prospect park. It's not my doing. My wife is a doctor, it's not my doing. But now I have a little Yorkie. That I walk all over park slow. But I do it in traditional spick style, which is no leash, it's around my neck. You've seen that guy before. With black chancletas, white socks. You're not gonna gentrify this, man. And I let my dog do whatever the fuck it wants and pops up, right? So he's barking at everyone. <laughs> so cute. And my, my Brussels neighbors, right? They're like, oh, Laz, he's such a cute dog. Is that a, is that a Sean Casey dog? Right? I'm like, no, his name is Stax. They're like, no, they, did you adopt him as Sean Casey? I'm like, no. I bought this dog at a pumping mill in Pennsylvania. <laughs> And I found him underneath a stack of dead dogs. That's why his name is Stacks. Yeah, give it up! Give it up for all the comics, that's my time. Thank you so much. My name is Lazarus Rivero and I will see you again soon.